Hello, this is the Oxford Business Podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network at Story 94's wonderful podcast studio in Oxford. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, um, an entrepreneur, James Craddock, owner of Get Support IT Services and also Get Radio. Welcome, James. Good morning. So, James, um, start by telling those listening all about yourself and indeed Get Support IT Services. This is always a difficult question, Ben, but I guess if I start with myself, what I enjoy in life, I love food. I love to cook music. I absolutely love going to music festivals, gigs, especially the big outdoor ones. Um, and I also DJ a bit. I guess when it, it comes to business, that's another passion that I, I love personally. And what I like about business is the ability to, to help people achieve their objectives and deliver massive value. I guess I started out doing my A-levels at 16. I started maths, further maths and physics, but I also got a part-time job. My part-time job was to look after IT for a, a small business with, uh, I think, just three people working for it. And that went on uh, and it grew over a number of years to be sold for north of 10 million pounds. So quite a good introduction to IT. I got a massive buzz from doing deals and, and being able to help people and talk to people during the day. So I actually ended up leaving my A-levels after the first term to go and focus on business. Amazing, amazing. Um, one of the things I've always seen with you is that you've always been really, really passionate about IT and you've also been really passionate about helping people with their IT. Where did that passion come from? Um, you mentioned your first job there, but what I guess gives you the twinkle in the eye about learning how to fix something with a computer or learning how to help someone? So I guess my father was an, an electronics engineer by degree. And uh, when I was born, he sort of stopped work and retrained himself in electronics with real-time computer control. Wow. And that went on to becoming an IT consultant and eventually focusing on, on Microsoft. Um, but I grew up in a house full of computers mm. and I've always found IT easy and, and rather fun. And I guess at the age of 16, when I started out, before that, I've always liked helping people. And back then, businesses were getting their first computers. People in their homes, if uh, they were lucky enough, were getting their first computers. And it was all confusing and, and there was lots of technical jargon and other bits and pieces. And I found that if I helped people and I spoke to them like another human being, mm. listened to like what they wanted and worked out ways of saving them time and, and adding value using IT and explaining everything in plain English, they'd give me money. And that, was a, that seemed like a fairly fun and, and fair exchange. I'm really glad you touched on that um, because one of the one of my earliest memories of getting to know you and, and getting to know Get Support IT Services was IT support in plain English. Um, did did that phrase come at the start of the planning? What was that? What the business was about, or wh when did that come in? That's a that's a good question. I, I guess it's always been there because most people don't like IT like I like IT. Most people don't really care. They don't want to know why something's gone wrong and the the technical aspects of it. They just want their computer to work and to serve them in their, their daily life or their daily job. And it's always been at the cornerstone of everything I've ever done is to break IT down into easy to understand English that anybody can get on board with. Mm. And you and, and, and the team at Get Support do exactly that. So let's build on Get Support a little bit. Tell the listeners who Get Support are and, and what the business looks like currently. Well, as I started off self-employed at 16, a, a good few years before Get Support was born, 
in February of 2000, I came up with the name of Get Support. I'm, I'm very much a fan of a company name that sort of says what it does on the tin. I was self-employed for the first few years, um, again, helping people get their first computers and doing everything in plain English and just trying to be super helpful. And that, that was quite fun. You know, I was, I was waking up and, and starting work at 7 a.m. and finishing at 8 p.m. And I, I had phones strapped to my ears for most of the day because we didn't have all the fantastic remote technology that we do today. So a lot of it was was closing your eyes and and talking people through fixing problems on their computers just using a phone with, with nothing in front of you. And uh, I, I started bringing people in to help me in, I guess, 2004, I think. And, and Rohan, my business partner and, and long-term friend, joined in 2006 to, to help build the team. Amazing. Amazing. And continuing with Get Support, what's happened next? Where are you today? So after Rohan joined, we, we sort of uh, shored up the, the brand and, and got our brand values in there and worked out where we were going to go next. And we've expanded the team. At the heart of it, we're the outsourced IT support department, and we deliver rock-solid IT that's secure, cost-effective, fast and reliable for businesses of all shapes and sizes. When it comes to support, we provide IT support, you know, break, fix. So you've got a problem with your computer, you give us a call or drop us an email and we fix it. We do a lot of proactive support. So we're working in the background to to spot problems before our clients notice them. And then we go and fix them, which massively reduces problems, downtime and the need for people to call us. And we do everything that you'd, you'd expect from a corporate IT support department, including Microsoft 365. We're a, we're a direct partner for them. Uh, internet services, broadband, fiber, voice over IP, more or less everything you need from an IT support department. And cybersecurity is at the heart of everything we do. We now have a team of about 30, and we've got three offices. The head office is here in Oxfordshire, and then we've got an office in London and, and one in Reading too. And I guess what that illustrates is that we have the resource to deal with whatever is thrown at us, rather than, than just me at home on my own with a couple of phones. And uh, uh, it, it just means that, that we can deal with, with all problems. Amazing. No, thank you for that overview. Um, I guess the next thing that would be really, really good to touch on, and you actually touched on that in, in your introduction, is let's start with Office 365, because it's something that, that I've got from Get Support, um, and, and it works really, really well. But I do know that there's a lot of functionality within Office 365 that a lot of businesses aren't using at the moment. So can you, um, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but can you kind of give a little bit of an overview of what is Office 365 and, and why should businesses use it and what can they use it for? Microsoft Office 365 is is Microsoft's sort of cloud solution for businesses of all sizes. They, they've got other other solutions like Azure, which which gets a lot more technical. But Microsoft 365 delivers all the fundamental services that the majority of businesses need for their daily IT. So at the cornerstone of that, it's it's Microsoft Exchange email. Mm. Um, advanced email that's feature rich so you can set out of office replies you can share your calendars you can even share your your email and, and then they have a, a a platform called sharepoint now sharepoint is microsoft's document management system and it does many things but one of the things that it's most popular for in the small business world is the ability to share files amongst team members 
Then you've got OneDrive, which is uh, actually a document library within SharePoint that allows you to store your personal documents, uh, personal personal to you, but, but your business as well. Um, sort of your My Documents in the cloud. And then you've got uh, Teams, which has become uh, hugely popular over the last couple of years. But it does a lot more than just video and, and audio. You can use it as a telephone interfacing with the public telephone network and making calls to any phone numbers. And, and you can use it to collaborate online with your team, share work, work on the same documents at the same time, just a place where you can, you can collaborate. And then there are a host of other services such as Microsoft To-Do and Microsoft Planner, lots of other smaller apps that are, are useful in everyday, uh, everyday life and, and, and work. Amazing. Um, what, one of the goals of, of this podcast is to tell the stories um, of entrepreneurs um, across Oxfordshire and, and OBCM members, but also is to really provide really, really honest, um, useful tips and advice. And, and certainly um, in, in that short short overview, you've certainly done that for, from Office 365. Just a couple of things that I just want to kind of um, clarify is um, you mentioned that there's um, kind of the calendar function. Um, you mentioned that there's team which does video calls. Um, so I know a lot of businesses that I see are spending licenses um, on Canally or Candily, um, something along those lines. Um, and there's also um, there's Zoom, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and Dropbox that the, the businesses are spending money on. Do they not need to do that then? Microsoft has a host of services, and it has something called Microsoft Bookings, which will allow you to share a link with your customers or, or your, your contacts, and, and, and they can book themselves in for a meeting. Um, wow. So that, that, that ticks that box, and it's included with, with the majority of subscriptions. And in terms of Dropbox, you can get similar functionality, but with a whole load more features with SharePoint. And again, that's included in the majority of subscriptions. There are, there are some reasons to use third party other other systems but the majority of businesses will be absolutely fine on microsoft 365 um, and once you have the license you're paying for the services anyway so if you use all of these other services you need to, to have a proper review as to what you can get out of microsoft 365 and get your it um, service provider your it support company to talk you through the features set you up a demo and see if it will replace your, your current offerings from the third parties or, or potentially provide better features that are more, uh, that, that, that encourage more productivity in your team. Because it, right now it's all about making sure that you don't want anything on the cheap. You want good rock solid IT, but you want to make sure you're getting massive value out of, out of everything you've got. So it, it's definitely worth a review if you're, if you're using Dropbox and, and various other, other services. Amazing. No, really, really good advice. Um, and certainly I do know this because you told me uh, recently, but not until quite recently. So that's really, really useful. Um, one of the other things that is a bit of a pet peeve of, of mine, and maybe this is just because I'm a little bit of a snob, but I'm going to say it anyway, is when you see really big businesses or certainly professional businesses who have their email address as fredcooper at btinternet.com or um, carvalatin at aol.com. Should be businesses not have that? And what is the process of getting an email address that is in line with your website URL? So first of all, I don't think it looks particularly professional. 
You can go and sign up for a Hotmail address or a Outlook.com address in 30 seconds. And you know, if, if you're using one of those, it's fine. You're not an IT expert. It's probably because you don't understand the inner workings of email. But for me, it, with a business, it's all about creating a, a brand image. And, mm. and, and if you've got a domain name, so our domain name is getsupport.co.uk, your email addresses will be at that domain name, which looks a lot nicer. But furthermore, you own the domain name. If you carry on paying the yearly fee, it's yours forever. And it's independent of the provider you originally bought it from. You can move it around. And if you use it in, in something like Microsoft 365, again, if you have that set up properly by a Microsoft partner, you can move your Microsoft 365 tenant around. And rather than being tied in to one provider, now Outlook Hotmail, fantastic. That's a Microsoft service and it's well-funded, but you have no control over it. If the company that's running the free email service decides to change the rules, decides to change what you can do with it, decides to turn it off, then... Um, you potentially lose the way that your customers are contacting you. If you own the domain, it's yours. And if your current service provider gets into difficulty or changes their business model, you can move it to someone else and keep the same contact details that all your customers have. It's really good advice, James, really good advice. I'm going to continue the note of, I guess, kind of something that's quite fearful for a lot of businesses is this dirty word of cybersecurity. So I know that as business owners, we read a lot, don't we? And we and we hear a lot about cybersecurity attacks and what we should have cybersecurity protection and insurances, et cetera, et cetera. But can you, um, I guess, in your own words, um, in plain English of, of Get Support, give the listeners a little bit of an overview of what is cybersecurity and, and what really is the threat to the small independent business? And indeed, what, what should we be doing under that umbrella? Cybersecurity is effectively keeping yourself, your data secure online. And a lot of IT companies and professionals go in with the scare stories, and there are plenty of them. But there's a load of things that you can do as a small business to make yourself more secure and tick a lot of the cybersecurity boxes. And, and one of the things that's more or less free and, and, and really important is cybersecurity awareness uh, at a user level. You know, when a box pops up on your screen and says, do you want to do something? And you go yes or no or cancel or, or even run. Always click cancel or no unless you know what that box is actually asking you or pick the phone up to your IT provider and, and ask for help. And again, if you get an email telling you that something's going massively wrong with one of your online accounts, maybe Microsoft 365, it's likely to be a phishing attack. And a phishing attack is where a scammer will create a very realistic email from one of your providers and encourage you to go to a website that looks identical to the website you normally log on to your provider with, but it's not, the address is different. And they encourage you to put your username and your password in. And as soon as you do that, you end up handing them over to the scammer. Now, there are lots of things that, that you can do as well, which is all part of cybersecurity awareness. You can make sure you've got strong and complex passwords. You can make sure that you use a different, unique, complex, strong password for every single service that you use. You can use a password manager to help you manage that so you don't have to remember lots of passwords. But Ben, I guess there's a whole host of things that you can do and you should do and there's, with, with cybersecurity awareness. Um, I'm very conscious that I don't want to make a definitive list today mm. because cybersecurity is so important. 
for all businesses, all individuals, all members of, uh, of a team. I mean, there are loads of scams that happen when someone joins a team where they're convinced to go and do things to impress their boss and, and spend their own money on it. And it's just such an easy area to tick a load of boxes and make sure that new starters and even people that have been in your team for a long time know how to stay safe. No, absolutely. And yeah, really, really good advice there. It's certainly, um, I can absolutely see when, when somebody joins a business or when they get an email saying the boss says even pay this amount, um, it, it, it can happen. So, so no, really, really good advice there and would certainly urge the listeners to review what they're doing currently. Um, so is there anything else under the cybersecurity umbrella? You touched on u- user awareness. What, what else do businesses need to do? There's a huge amount that they can do to stay safe. But I'm going to just touch on one of those things right now, which is have some great security software. Everybody must have, as a minimum, decent antivirus. But there's something better now called endpoint detection and response. Antivirus has been around for ages, and it relies on a database of viruses, sort of like fingerprints of what a virus looks like. And it compares files you're opening to those fingerprints and spots the virus and stops it and keeps your computer secure. But there's a lag when a a new virus comes out or a new bit of malware between the malware getting out there and the databases being updated. So the new way to protect computers, which is relatively inexpensive, is using something called EDR or Endpoint Detection and Response, where in addition to the virus database, it also looks at what's going on on the computer, what different programs and processes are doing on the computer. And it uses AI to spot patterns that look like a virus. And then it will stop them regardless of what's in the database and keep the computer safe. One of the pieces of software we use is Sentinel-1. And it's incredibly good at, at stopping things before they really get started. Amazing. One thing that um, we're, we're taught not to do that often, but I'm going to do it now, if you don't mind, James, is um, cybersecurity. Um, uh, we, we, we're told it's very expensive. What, what sort of cost would be associated with, with a piece of software like that? So um, endpoint detection response, um, Sentinel-1 from us is um, £4.50 per device per month, which oh, wow. excludes VAT. But it is more than, than antivirus, which comes in at about £2. Mm. Um, but it takes security to the next level. And it's one of the many things we can do to help keep computers online. And I, I guess while we're talking about cybersecurity, we should also talk about device encryption. Making sure that your laptops are encrypted. If you're using Windows, for instance, you should use BitLocker. Now, this is one thing that many businesses don't understand when they go out and buy their first computer. You need Windows Professional to use BitLocker. There are a whole host of other features that Windows Professional brings, but BitLocker is so important. It allows you to have your computers completely encrypted so that without your username and password to log in, no one can get access to your data. If you don't have your computers encrypted, it's very easy booting off USB sticks or or taking a hard drive out to read the data on it. And I don't know if you know, if you lose a laptop, if it's stolen from your car, say at a service station, if it's not encrypted, it's a potential data breach and you need to inform the information commissioner's office. Wow. If it is encrypted, you note it down in your instant book and get on with your life. So for any business, any business that is dealing with personal data as defined under GDPR, which is more or less all of of us, you really need to keep 
all of your portable devices at a minimum encrypted. Perfect, perfect. We've touched on a lot of this already, um, but I'm just going to bring the conversation on slightly to that very much startup phase. So if you're starting up a business or a small independent that doesn't really have IT in place, we've touched on on cybersecurity, we've touched on Office 365 a little bit, but what should a small business do under the IT umbrella? What, What are the first things to touch on? So let's say they're starting off, they haven't bought their first computer. Number one is, is if you're going for Windows, buy Microsoft Windows Professional on the machine. It's so much cheaper and more cost effective to do it in your initial purchase rather than buy a cheaper laptop with Windows Home and then have to upgrade it. I'd recommend going for Microsoft 365 immediately and, and making sure that's backed up by a third party. That's a very sensible thing to do. And, and if you get everything right in the first place, it's much easier when you take on your first employee and you start to grow. You, you've got the understandings and the systems and on, 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 on how to scale that out. Make sure that everybody, yourself included, understands cybersecurity through the cybersecurity user awareness I've been talking about. And fairly early on, as you start to plan the business, if you have a business plan, you should have an IT plan and strategy that matches that business plan. So you know what you're going to need from your IT when you hit each milestone and when you hit your goals in your business plan. I, I see that IT strategy should be there to support a business people working in it, but also the objectives in the business plan, because IT can be so powerful in helping you get there. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think would be really fun to talk about, um, probably won't impact that many businesses across Oxfordshire, but you also own Get Radio. And I think a lot of us are secret geeks and really interested in the tech behind a radio station. What is the tech behind Get Radio and how did you do it? So I'm going to say it's really simple, but it's probably not to you if you're, if, you're, if you're listening at home. There's a bit of audio engineering that goes into it, but a very basic setup with a mixer. And a mixer is a device that allows you to take multiple audio sources, um, like the microphones Ben and I are talking to you on now, and mix them together along with the music so you can talk over the top of songs and make it sound really good. And then that all goes through a load of processing. And what processing does in in the radio world is it makes the microphone sound really booming and and, and radio-like and adds extra energy into the music and makes everything come out at a a similar volume. So if you listen to the radio, you don't tend to get those fades and uh, at the end of tracks, you, you sort of go from one track into a bit of production. The production's the bit between the tracks that, that makes it sound like a radio station. And then it goes out to, in our case, um, a DAB digital multiplex where it gets transmitted across the whole of Oxfordshire and various online streaming feeds. So you can pick it up on your um, smart speaker, your mobile phone, and of course online on the website. And what holds all of the music together, what plays the music and the production, is something called a playout system, where we we have some magical code that helps us deliver our amazing, fun and engaging music mix, because there's a lot of work that goes into making sure the right music is played to keep everybody from from your sort of millennials all the way through to your seasoned business owner glued to the radio all day long. Amazing, amazing. For those um, listening at home, I would have loved this to have been a video format because James just a huge grin across his face when talking about this. So no, thank you for that. 
So that is the end of this episode of the Oxford Business Podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network. Thank you so much, James, for, for spending your time to join us today and share such insight with those listening at home and in their offices. It's been really, really insightful. Thank you to Story94 for hosting us at the Oxford Podcast Studio. Um, the only in Oxfordshire. So if you've never been to a podcast studio, definitely get in touch with them and see if you can get yourself a visit. That's amazing. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next episode.